Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a very special episode of Monster Soundwave. I'm your host, Robert Snow. With me tonight, my co-host, Evan Barton. We are pumped. It is Thanksgiving weekend. We've wrapped up a fun couple of days off here, at least for me. And uh, we uh, are excited to start this new arc of the show where we're talking about some of the classes of 5th edition. Um, and so one of the things that we're going to try to answer about each of these classes is, you know, what are some of the role-playing strengths of the class? What are some of the combat, um, abilities of the strat class? What are some of the social abilities of the class? And we're also going to go through a bunch of the different, um, like whether they're, different archetypes uh, for the barbarian. It's the primal path. And we're going to start tonight by talking about the barbarian and uh, what he is, but we're going to go through each of the classes. And then one extra thing that we're going to add at the end is if we were, if we are releasing 5.5 edition or sixth edition or whatever, the new edition that's going to come out in 2024 whatever that is, what would we want to see changed about the class? Um, they have said that whatever is printed in fifth edition will still be able to be used with the next uh, like edition of D and D. Um, but we'll have to see about like these base classes. Obviously they're going to get reprinted and, and we'll just have to see what's uh, different in them. Evan, my man, how you doing? Pretty good. A little tired from the holiday festivities, but other than that, quite good. And yourself? You know what? I'm doing really well, mostly because I'm just pumped to talk about barbarians because they're one of my favorite classes. Um, and it just so happens that they also alphabetically are the first class, minus the artificer, which we'll get into at the end because he was kind of the latecomer to the party. Uh, but we're going to start with the barbarians. So um barbarian at first level uh they get probably their two uh i would say like the bread and butter of any barbarian powers and the first one is rage so with rage they get advantage on strength checks and saving throws kind of nice um if they're using a melee weapon with their strength modifier they get to add some bonus rage damage to it the rage lasts one minute, uh, so that's six rounds of combat. Or, sorry, that's ten rounds of combat. Is that right in 5th edition? It's ten right, rounds, One round right? is six seconds, so there are ten rounds in a minute. Great. Um, and then uh, they can also end it early, or if they don't attack a hostile creature on their turn, they lose their rage. So that's an important thing to remember, because the other thing that rage gives you is it gives you resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. Evan, can you can you share what resistance to damage is in Dungeons and Dragons? Uh, pretty simply, it's you just take half damage to that. So that's just one of the cool things that in, in 5th edition, as opposed to a lot of earlier editions, which tended to complicate things like that, is pretty much it's just um, earlier editions, they were like a lot of like things like DR, where you like added and subtracted like arbitrary amounts and 5e it's pretty much just cut it in half so 
and then with specific types. So with uh, Barbarian Rage, it's bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing. And the cool thing about that is with a lot of uh, resistances, they specify like it's against non-magical. But with Barbarians, it doesn't specify that. So it's against bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing, whether it's magical or not. So um, even rages into higher level where you're against opponents who are wielding magical weapons or against creatures who do magical damage, that rage is still just as viable, which is really awesome. Yeah, I, I would say that really at the end of the day, a first level barbarian is probably one of the best, like most survival, survivable first level classes uh, out there just because most first level enemies are doing bludgeoning, piercing, or slashing damage uh, to you. So Absolutely. being able to take half damage on that is pretty uh, pretty awesome. Uh, their other benefit that they get at first level is unarmored defense, uh, which if they're wearing no armor, uh, their AC is equal to 10 plus their dex modifier. That's normal. But then they also get to add their constitution modifier uh, to their armor class. So what's what this does is it makes really constitution and an integral part of being a barbarian for a lot of their subclasses in general con is good if you're going to be a tank type class and when we say tank type class that means somebody who's able to go into the into the monster horde and just take hits they're able to absorb the damage that the monsters are throwing down on them so um what do you think about armored defense? Is it good? Is it great? Is it overpowered? <laughs> I think it's one of those things that probably this, this is coming from someone who hasn't played a lot of barbarians, but it's one of those things that I don't think scales as well as rage does. Uh, because adding your constitution modifier to your AC, typically your con isn't going to go like super duper high. So, I mean, like it's, it's useful, but, um, I like I wouldn't think it would be super do for you as opposed to like something like rage, but again, you know, this is my limited play experience with a barbarian. Yeah. But uh but I mean like you're talking like a first level barbarian, you're probably looking at it as typical AC of what, like we'll call it like fifteen or so, you figure, you know, looking at a con modifier of about three and a dex modifier of one or two at the highest. So you're looking at maybe like a fourteen or a fifteen, and that's probably not gonna go a whole lot higher. Um, even as you level, like you might, you know, see that con go up by like maybe one or two more points. So I mean, although that's true of most classes, like your AC isn't going to change a whole lot over the life of a character, you know, minus magic items or so that are going to improve it by a point or two. And that's kind of the yeah. 5e system. But uh, like, it, but yeah. like, so unarmored defense is one of those things that's not super duper critical. Um, you can still use a shield though. Which is nice, right. although like it's one of those things. Though, like if you're wearing a bar, if you're like playing a barbarian, I feel like you're gonna be like using a two-handed weapon though, just because that's such an iconic part of playing a barbarian. Is like you're gonna be using either a great sword or a great axe or something. But you know, you who knows? So and it, yeah, but as opposed to rage, which is again such an iconic part of what a barbarian is, unarmored defense is just kind of one of those things that's just kind of attached. I mean, it's not a bad feature. It's just you know, I think it's one of those things that's kind of you know not you know super uh 
integral to the class, if, if that makes sense. Right. And and as a barbarian, you are proficient in light and medium armor also. So right. it's kind of one of those things where, and we'll talk about this as we go through, as a barbarian, you kind of have some versatility between are you somebody who wants to soak damage and hits, or are you somebody who is going to be dealing tons of damage? Um, unarmored defense with a shield, you know, you're looking at an AC of like 15, 16, and for those first three to five levels, that's pretty good. Like it's not a bad it's not a bad AC. Uh, but again, once you get like some of those higher um, medium armor stuff you still get your shield if you're using that this is pretty good uh at the beginning but i think like you said it kind of tapers off as being you know super advantageous or iconic as as you get further I, um yeah. oh go ahead so i feel like by the time you hit like tier two and certainly by tier three by that point, you know, you're like if your AC is still like 15 or 16, you're dealing with against monsters who have like a to hit of at least plus seven or eight. So you're being hit way more often than you're not. And at that point, you know, I feel like, you know, if you're not investing in armor or like if you're not just accepting, like, you know, if you're not buffing your HP, like, you know, again, it's one of those things where, you know, that's coming down to the question of you, you'd hit it, you know, are you going to be somebody who who's going to devote themselves to absorbing hits and dealing damage or, you know, um, which comes down to the, your individual barbarian build, but you know, moving on. Yeah. Um, so at second level, they get reckless attack, which is they can trade advantage on their attacks for advantage against themselves. So what they can do is uh, on their turn, they can make a reckless attack, which means that they get advantage on the attack. Uh, for those of you who don't know, advantage means you roll two dice for the attack and you take the higher of the two however uh because it's a reckless attack any enemies that attack you at, um before the start of your next turn have advantage against yourself um so <clears throat> i think that this is a fine like little bonus at second level if you think that you're able to one shot somebody especially if you're using one of those great swords or great axes or a maul or something like that um but i don't know how much you're going to want to trade make that trade where you're giving enemies advantage against you on a regular basis um now, if they already are going to have advantage against you, you know, like if they're going to have advantage because they're flanking you or something, you might as well do it because it's you're not really losing anything. But uh, that's a, it's all right. And then the other the other second level uh, benefit is danger sense. And so you get advantage on dexterity saving throws against attacks that you can see. Um, so what do you think about these two here? um at second level i think reckless attack is a cool feature in that it forces you to be a little bit strategic and thinking about you know okay is this really something i want to burn right now because i mean like it's one thing to say okay yeah i'm going to burn reckless attack right now i can take an attack with an advantage coming from you know an orc fighter versus you know do i really want to burn reckless attack against a red dragon right now and thinking like you know okay 
I'm pretty sure this creature's about to go down if I hit it with a reckless attack right now. I'm pretty sure about that. But do I really want to literally roll the dice on that? You know, especially if you're low on HP yourself. Because, again, you know, like, it's one thing to say, yeah, I can take a hit. But keeping in mind, when an enemy rolls advantage against you, you're also potentially handing them, you know, a critical hit as well. Because the potential for that goes up. And, you know, if you're talking about some monsters that are rolling, you know, three or four dice of damage, a critical hit, you know, if a normal hit is doing 20 points of damage, a critical hit might do, you know, 40 or 50 points of damage against you. And that, especially even at higher levels, is enough to potentially outright kill a character. If, you know, you know, at the very least take you into unconscious from being, you know, even a moderate amount of health. Yeah. So, you know, it could be extremely deadly for me. So, again, I get forces you to be, to be, again, you know, to make decisions about, you know, when you want to use reckless attack. So, I think yeah. that's a cool feature just for that, you know, and making you plan, you know, think tactically about it. Um, and as far as the danger sense goes, I haven't really ever seen that uh, come up so much. Either, you know, again, you know, I think I've played a Barbarian all of once in D&D. Um, yeah. But even DMing, I haven't really seen it come up so much. So I can't it, really speak so much to that. But I've It is. I, I'll say this. Reckless Attack, great against, like, mobs of enemies. Like, if there's a bunch of smaller bad guys. Danger Sense, great when you're going up against, uh, like, somebody who's throwing fireballs at you or things like that. Uh, right be really good in a um you know in a like a boss fight type situation so and it, what's nice about danger sense is it's just like a static hey you have advantage on deck saving throws against attacks you can see it's not like some amazing thing but right. you know if you remember that at 10th level when you're fighting you know strad von zarevich or somebody like that who's dropping fireballs on the party right. you know that can that could really, you know, benefit you to be taking half damage from all those um, in those, you know, bigger, more epic fights. Um, So they get some stuff at third level, but it's all tied to the primal paths. We're going to talk about those each individually after this. Um, At fourth level, they get uh, two two ability point scores, uh, just like everybody else at fourth level. And then at fifth level, uh, which I think is probably the martial characters like favorite level for all martial characters anywhere forever, uh, they get an extra attack as part of their action. And they also get fast movement, which means that their speed increases by 10 feet while they're not wearing heavy armor. So um, again, they can... They can be wearing light or medium armor, uh, but they can't be wearing heavy armor. And that's pretty nice to have that extra 10 feet of movement. Um, Any thoughts about fifth level and what they get? I think fifth level is kind of the key level for pretty much every single class. It's when, you know, you get martial characters get their, their extra attack. It's when casters get their third level spells. Arcane casters get, you know, Fireball and Lightning Bolt and things like that. Divine casters get like Revivify um, and, you know, get those high level, the the beginning of that high level magic, you know, area effect spells, spells that can resurrect the dead, you know, they get get into that, you know, that classic D&D stuff, you know, where you're not, you're not, you're out of the, those intro levels and you've got a good amount of HP now, you know, fifth level is kind of the beginning of that, you know, of, 
hey, you know, we can actually take a lot of hits now. You can start taking on significantly stronger enemies. You can start taking on huge, much larger groups of smaller enemies. And, you know, to that extent, you know, you've got the Barbarian being able to move around a lot now. And even something as simple as, you know, getting those two extra attacks and lets your character feel powerful. And, you know, those that extra 10 feet of movement lets your character feel like, hey, you know, it, it's not a lot, but, like, being able to figure out, you know, like, okay, you know, I can move 40 feet now and getting to attack twice, you know, that's, if you're a figure, you know, you're attacking with, like, a great axe or something, you're doing, like, a D12, and you're raging, you might be doing, like, a D12 plus 5 damage, and you're thinking, like, oh, I can move 20 feet, then attack, then move another 20 feet, then attack again, you know, and that's, especially, you know, if you're first time playing a barbarian, that's, that's a cool feeling, and so that's, that's one of the cool things about, you know, especially, if you're watching someone play a character for the first time and seeing them hit fifth level and seeing them, you know, get those cool abilities for the first time. For sure. All right. Um, at seventh level, they get some nice utility here. They get feral instinct, which gives them advantage on initiative roles. Always nice to be able to go first uh, or go earlier in the round. And then they also can't be surprised if their first action is to rage. So that means that they're not going to be dealing with surprise rounds. Uh, Combat-wise, these are both uh, really nice for being able to kind of control that first round of combat or at least uh, put yourself into a position to be effective later. I actually, you know, I'd forgotten about Feral Instinct for the Barbarian. I, or, you know... I, Maybe I wasn't aware they they had an advantage on initiative rolls. That's a cool feature. So you know you tend not to think about barbarians, you know, being particularly quick, but you know that's really cool. Uh, as far as the if you know the uh, not being surprised, that's another kind of really cool feature that would be extremely handy, especially you know if your DM likes springing those kind of trap encounters on you, ambush encounters. Um. So at ninth level, uh, we're kind of we're deep into now. Tier two is fifth to tenth level. Is that right, or like fifth to twelfth? Like, is that what? I, I believe tier two is fifth to ninth, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, so we're right at the top of tier two here. Um, they get the power brutal critical, um, and so they get to use a bonus damage die on a critical hit, and then this one actually. Uh, levels with them at 13th level they get two extra damage dice and at level 17 they get three extra damage dice on their critical hits so um just makes them even better at you know it, it makes um i think reckless attack like more lucrative um for those higher levels because man give yourself two chances to crit and get those extra dice of damage. Um, I don't know how often like this actually ends up coming up. I mean, like I would say in our games, like in a three hour session, maybe each person would get like one critical a night, like average. Does that sound right to you? Like it, it depends on the night um, and, you know, and the combat too. Cause I mean, if, if it's a combat where you're fighting a bunch of mobs, then yeah, you might hit several criticals. Um, if everybody's rolling a bunch of attacks, but you know, if it's just maybe against one opponent or something. So I mean, it's it it, it depends on the night, but that maybe one on average. Yeah. 
all things being equal. Um, at 11th level, they get Relentless Rage. Uh, if they drop to zero and they don't die outright, the Barbarian can make a con save to drop to one health point instead. Uh, pretty useful, I would think. Agree? Disagree? Absolutely. It just, you know, makes you more that unstoppable killing machine that, you know, that barbarians are feared to be. Speaking of unstoppable killing machines, at 15th level, they get persistent rage, um, which means that their rage only ends if you end it or if they fall unconscious. So there's no longer a time limit on it. And it just means that they can be raging for, you know, hours on end. Uh, which really does like make them killing machines at this point in time. 18th level, they get Indomitable Might. Uh, if your total for a strength check is less than your strength score, you can use that score in place of the total. Just going to say this right here. At 18th level, if if you're not getting like significantly more on your strength check, then your score of like maybe what 17 or 18 i i think maybe you're not you haven't rolled up a very great barbarian um because you 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 already have advantage on strength checks when you're raging and then i mean i i guess it's fine but for 18th level it just it doesn't seem that impressive of a skill what do you think evan I think it's one of those peace of mind skills that you get, like, that once you get it, it's like, oh, I never have to worry about failing a strength check ever again. Like, if you have a 20 strength score, it's like, okay, I will never have a strength check that's lower than a 20 ever again. And the, which, and which, 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 again, is a cool thing to think of, but I mean, it's, it's one of those features, again, that's a cool thought, you know, it's not, again, like you mentioned, for an 18th level thing, it's not, like, amazing, but it's just kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and at 20th level, they get their super bonus uh, Primal Champion. Their strength and con increase by four to a max of 24. Uh, so they can go above that uh, 20 maximum uh, that they're normally limited to. So at, at 20th level, you know, they're fighting gargantuan epic dragons and stuff like that. And this is going to take them there. Um. How do you feel like Primal Champion compares to some of the other classes uh, 20th level like bonuses? I mean, it's one of those things where um, it's certainly cool. Um, I'm kind of trying to think of the other ones. I know the only one that comes to the mind off the top of my hand is Archdruid, which, you know, they get they can use their wild shape an unlimited number of times. And then they get the ability to ignore verbal and somatic components of their druid spells when they're in wild shape, which is a crazy ability for 20th level. And I think that's probably a much more impressive 20th level ability than just a static plus four to strength and con, which is like, that's a really cool thing. Um, I think it plays really well into the barbarian being a, hey, like, I'm here to hit things, hit them hard, and then not let them kill me. <laughs> uh, right. But, like, I think that really 
bread and butter of the barbarian is probably some of the lower levels, but I think they're still going to be really freaking cool at 20th level right. um, with that benefit. Um, let's talk about what they get. They have a D12 hit die. They're proficient in light armor, medium armor, shields, simple weapons, martial weapons. Um, they're, they are proficient in strength and con saves. And then they get two of the following skills, animal handling, athletics, intimidation, nature, perception, and survival. Um, what do you think about their kind of starting, starting like bonuses and benefits here? Kind of just bread and butter. Um, not like, not, I mean, it's not inherently like amazing, but you know, not bad or anything like that. I mean, the strength and con saves are, um, kind of exactly what you'd expect barbarian saving throws to be, and the skills are again pretty much what you'd expect: animal handling, athletics, intimidation, perception. So like you know, kind of, um, athletics and survival, kind of kind of what you would imagine a barbarian to take. But you know, not necessarily it depends on how you want to build them. Um, the D twelve hit die is. I'm trying to think. Um, are they the only class that gets the D twelve hit die? think they are let me think so let me look at the fighter really fast i think they might be a but i'm pretty sure they're d10 so yeah they uh yeah they're a d10 so so they're barbarians the only d12 hit die which is uh it's pretty badass is what it is right (laughs) i mean again that's their their main thing is again being that you know giant slab of beef that can take hits and so again that and that's a huge part of it is the ability to have you know all those hit points yeah um so i think one of the things that's great about the barbarian is that this is a great class to give to somebody who uh who hasn't played D or any tabletop role-playing games um before because there's just a lot of um there's just a lot of benefits to them and it's pretty straightforward. It's like rage and then go hit stuff. Right. Um, no spells. Yeah. No spells. They don't have to worry about spell casting and not a lot of like other, like there's some complicated uh, stuff in their primal paths, but I would say even the fighter has more complicated primal paths than the, uh, than the barbarian does at this right. point. Um so and also again having lots of HP good in case somebody uh decide you know gets a little too uh aggressive or whatever. Um they're probably not gonna drop to a trap or something like that uh as they're kind of learning the game. Right. All right, you ready to get into some primal paths? I think so. Okay. So um, we're going to go through these uh, in the order that they were released. So we'll start with our PHB class. We've got, well, yeah. So we've got uh, eight um, primal paths here. And I think some of them are good. Maybe a couple of them are great. And then there's some real stinkers in there. Uh, But we'll start with um, the Berserker which is in the PHB. Mm -hmm. Um, So at third level, they get Frenzy, and uh, they can make a melee 
weapon attack as a bonus action. However, uh, while they're in that frenzy, so they can essentially get a third attack, or it's a second attack at, at third level um, each each round of combat. However, at the end of their rage, they take one level of exhaustion. And I thought this would be a good time for you as our resident DM to talk a little bit about exhaustion and um, what one level of exhaustion does and how they get rid of it. Okay. Exhaustion is kind of a cumulative effect that you get hit with. And um, you can encounter it for any number of reasons. Some creatures cause it. You can get it from not eating and getting enough food and water and not getting eight hours of sleep at night. Um, or, you know, from the, as a barbarian, from using different features of a class, like the barbarian feature. And at one level of exhaustion, you get disadvantage on ability checks. And the, the important thing to note with exhaustion is the levels are cumulative. So at, you know, level one, you have disadvantage on ability checks. Level two, you get speed halved. And also, you know, at level two, because they're cumulative, that means you have your speed is halved and you have disability on it on ability checks. Then at level three, you have disadvantage on attacks, so rolls, and saving throws, plus all the other levels. And so, you know, the, the idea is if you get one level of exhaustion, disability is, or disadvantage on ability checks isn't great, but, you know, it's not god-awful. But then as it goes on, it gets worse and worse and worse. So the time you hit level four, which is your hit point maximum is halved, by that point, you know, like, your character is pretty much hobbled. At level five uh, exhaustion, your speed is reduced to zero which effectively cripples your character. Like your character is unable to move at all. Um, you're kind of unable to do anything, but kind of sit down. And at that point, you're kind of forced to deal with it. Or, you know, your, your adventuring is basically over at that point until you deal with the exhaustion. Because if you don't, at level six of exhaustion, you die. Like you're not pass code, you're not collect $200, death. And for ways to get rid of exhaustion, the kind of the most clear-cut way is every time you take a long rest, you lose one level of exhaustion. So say if you're at level five, you would take five consecutive days of long rest, five uses of long rest, so five days to get rid of all five levels. So again, it's, a, it's an effect that if it's allowed to get out of control, can very quickly become a serious problem for a party. Uh, yeah. There's also magic, I believe, uh, Lesser Restoration can remove, don't quote me on this, I'm going to look up the spell right now, can remove one level of exhaustion at a go. And I think Greater Restoration might be able to remove more than one, but I'm going to look it up right now. But I'm not actually sure. Yeah, I don't want to so, miss out on that. So while you're looking that up, I, I would just say that in-game, Frenzy is um, fine if you're fighting what you think is probably the last combat of that day. Um right. Or if you're like, hey, I'm going to need every attack that I can get in this battle. Um, but some things to also think about are like, what environment are you in? Are you like going through like some like frosted cavern where like, you know, every 12 hours, like you're taking a level of exhaustion from the cold or like, you know, have you taken a level of exhaustion from something else like swimming across a giant lake or something like that? Um, <laughs> You know, those are just like things that you need to be thinking about before you kick on your frenzy. And obviously, it's not going to be something that you want to do three times in a day because you don't want to be 
taking disadvantage on all your roles, basically, which is where you're going to be at it at three levels of exhaustion. So, um, I think this is okay. Yeah. Not god awful, but not great. And by the by, it's only greater restoration that restores exhaustion and only by one level. And that's a fifth level spell that requires diamond dust worth a hundred gold. So yeah, exhaustion, not something to mess around with, especially once you get particularly high. Yeah. Um, all right. Then, at 6th level, the Berserker gets uh, Mindless Rage. They can't be charmed or frightened while they're in rage. Um, I think this is actually really good because uh, yeah. we've seen um, how much like a charmed character in combat who is either no longer fighting or is actively fighting the party, how, how terrible that can be. So um, this is definitely, you know, a I think a really good six level uh, bonus here. Absolutely. Because I mean, charm is kind of the, like in terms of uh, mechanics, it's the most devastating ability in the game because in one move, it completely removes an asset from your side and turns them into an opponent. So in a sense, it's even worse than, you know, something like finger of death, which just removes an asset. And so, Mindless, something like mindless rage, which makes you completely immune to charm. Extremely impressed because I mean there are a lot of things that can charm, unfortunately, in D anD D, and like some of the charm abilities can like as some of the creatures that can do it can do so, you know, with an action, or you know, can do so an unlimited number of times per day, and the DCs can be particularly high, and so, and especially like for a barbarian that has such key. And prob and potentially a very low wisdom saving throw, the ability to be immune to that can be extremely important. Yeah. Um. All right. At tenth level, they get intimidating presence. I think this is probably the weakest um of their of their abilities, like um because it's a chance to frighten one creature, which uh is i just don't think it's that great um and the reason why i don't think it's that great is uh well let me just read this for you uh if the creature can see or hear you it must succeed on a wisdom saving through dc equals eight plus your proficiency bonus plus your charisma modifier or be frightened of you until the end of your next turn. On subsequent turns, you can use your action to extend the duration of this effect on the frightened creature until the end of your next turn. This effect ends if the creature ends its turn out of line of sight or more than 60 feet away from you. It succeeds on its saving throw. You can't use this feature on that creature again for 24 hours. So I've got some issues with this. Absolutely. First off, 10th level. Like we're into the end game of a lot of campaigns here, or at least into the thick of like, man, we're fighting like higher level stuff. And they're saving against your charisma, which <laughs> as a barbarian, maybe maybe it's a twelve. Optimistically, like like, like, like if you if you're dumping something as a barbarian, it's probably either charisma or intelligence. And so 
I just don't see where you're like, oh, I I can maybe intimidate this guy, which which by the way it takes an action. It's not a bonus action. So yeah, that's a big thing there. So I'm not gonna swing my axe at anything, and I'm gonna waste my time trying to frighten this creature. If I fail on frightening it, it nothing happens. It doesn't take any damage or anything else. It all that happens is I can't try to scare it again. And then it's not like, oh, it's scared for a number of rounds equal to your charisma modifier. It's just scared for that round unless you burn your action again the next round to keep it frightened. So for me, this is just this is just super weak, I feel like. It's kind of one of the more garbage abilities of one of of a otherwise, you know, eh, kind of passable subclass. It's this is the one that really drags this subclass down is the intimidating presence. Because again, it's just it's not just a useless ability, it's actively detrimental to use. Because again, charisma modifier, again, best case scenario, it's a plus one or a zero. For most barbarians, it's it's probably a minus one. So the DC is gonna be low. And the big thing is you have to burn an action to use it. So like best case scenario, you're trying you're like you're burning like your ability to do damage to try and like frighten opponents with a dc that they're probably going to probably pass you know again like at 10th level so again like what party wants their barbarian the person who should be you know doing the damage or the very least absorbing hits running around trying to frighten creatures and, and again like you mentioned you know, if they succeed they're immune for 24 hours and again like best case scenario they move 60 feet away and they can save against it anyway so again it's it really is just one of the least impressive features certainly i think of maybe of all the barbarian subclasses right it's a, it's also only one creature so cuz i think maybe the counter argument would be like well what about role playing like what if you're trying to intimidate like a shopkeeper or something and it's like well the shopkeeper's frightened he doesn't like stand there and like give you a better price he just runs as far yeah. away from you as he can um you know, if you're approaching a town gate and you want to scare the guards, it's like, well, hopefully there's only one guard there, because if there's two, uh, you know, only one of them is going to be scared of you <laughs> and yeah. run away. And hopefully they don't have a good wisdom saving throw. So I, I just really don't see I, it's such a strange use case and it's way too high level for it to be something that you're going to use ever or even once so i i think it's just bad their last one their 14th level uh for the berserker subclass is retaliation if they take damage uh from a creature within five feet of them they can use their reaction to make a melee attack against that creature which i think is pretty good like it's not a bad feature you know, nothing like getting extra attacks. Yeah. And because it's a reaction, that means that you can do it basically every round that somebody hits you. So right. you're, you know, one on one with a creature. And every time that they hit you with a melee attack, you get to slap them back. Like, that's pretty good. You're, if you're in your frenzy, you're talking about, you know, three attacks on your turn against them at 14th level, plus you get to hit them again with your reaction attack if they keep attacking you i just think that for the berserker subclass this is just too little too late yeah. is how i would describe it 
I feel like for the Berserker subclass, it's the class you take to get mindless rage. And frenzy and retaliation are kind of nice. And you just have to kind of put up with having intimidating presence. Yeah. Like, that's the, pretty much the only reason you would want that class is to get mindless rage. Right. And, and even then, you like you, know, you have to ask yourself, is it really worth it just for that? Because, I mean, you know, it's it's a nice ability, but, you know, I don't I don't think it's worth taking the subclass, even for, you know something as clutch as being immune to charm while raging and frightened. So like it's 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 one of the least impressive barbarian subclasses still. Right. If you really don't want to be charmed, just play an elf. Yeah, and right. Pick a different class. <laughs> okay, so the next one that we're gonna cover, we're gonna cover it all together. Um it's the Totem Warrior from the PHB. And then they added some extra um, totems in the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide. So what's really cool about this class or the subclass is that at each level, you're going to pick one of your totems. You get bear, eagle, elk, tiger, and wolf. You're going to get one of those powers. And at each subsequent level, so again, at 6th, 10th, and 14th, you can take a different totem as your benefit so you could have four totally different totems across these five uh across these five different uh like animals um so should we do this should we do this by level or should we do this by totem should, should, i think maybe by level right we'll cover like that. all of the third level totems yeah. so that sounds good all right Okay, so forgive me for not having talked to you about that before. And audience, forgive me for this little bit of planning that we're doing here uh, last minute. Um, okay, so the bear totem at third level, while raging, you get you gain resistance to all damage but psychic damage. I think that's really freaking good. I think it's way better than Frenzy. <laughs> I mean, that means that fire damage, ice damage, cold, or sorry, cold damage, uh, you know, poison, acid, none of those damages, it, you've got resistance to all of them while you're in rage mode. I, I think that this might be the most powerful third level subclass benefit that you can get maybe across all classes, but I think it's really good. I would agree to that. I mean, effectively, when you choose this, you double your HP whenever you're fighting something, unless you're fighting mind flayers effectively, or something that deals a lot of psychic damage. Right. If they don't have a brain protruding from their body, then you're probably not dealing with full damage, which which makes it very powerful. Um, for the eagle, uh, creatures have disadvantage against you on opportunity attacks, and then uh, you also can take a dash action as a bonus action. Um, so you can move up to your speed as a bonus action. That's that's nice. But also it means that you can kind of weave in and out of enemies because they will have disadvantage against you on opportunity attacks. Also pretty good at third level. Um, yeah. Still don't think it's as good as the bear. But no, no, nothing, nothing will ever be as good as the bear. But if you're trying to build somebody who is not like locked into combat. Like if you're trying to 
like maybe for role playing or maybe your characters like goals or something like that are to be somebody who can just like move and bounce between things. I could see where this would be beneficial. Right. Um, the elk. Uh, this one, when you're raging and not wearing heavy armor, you get plus 15 feet of movement speed. Uh, I think this is OK. It's kind of close to the eagle. Um, I think the Eagles maybe just a little bit better because the dash as a bonus action is pretty solid and it gives you actually more movement on your turn than the than the 15 feet of movement speed from the elk. What do you think? Right. Like between those two, Eagle, Elk, where, what are you looking at? I kind of got to go Eagle on this one, I think. Um, Yeah. So the next one, I think this is the worst one at third level. Um, not for all the levels, but I think it's the worst one here. Uh, well, it's the tiger totem. And while you're raging, add 10 feet to your jump. Just don't think it comes up enough. Yeah. And again, it's only while you're raging. It's like, do you want to burn a rage to like, let's say that you get to some like fallen bridge and it's like, how are we all going to get across? I don't know that you're going to be like, I'll just burn a rage and <laughs> then I get to add 10 feet to my jump. Um, the last one, kind of a control feature from the wolf uh, wall raging. Um, allies have advantage against any creature within five feet of you. So uh, really good for fighting like groups of enemies. Or if you have a group of a lot of melee characters, like let's say you've got a fighter and a druid and a um, and a cleric or something like that as the rest of your party, um, you know I could see where this might be something where you trump the bear because it's like, hey, like I'm gonna give all of my people advantage against like the enemy that we're dealing with, um, as opposed to having the resistance to the damage. I think this is if we were talking about what comes close to being as good as the bear, I think the wolf totem uh, comes in pretty good there. What do you think? I think it's probably the most comparable, but I, I think bear still comes out on top. But I mean, like the wolf, I mean, don't get me wrong. The wolf one is still really, really cool. It, especially, you know, like, as you mentioned, like if you've a bunch of like uh, melee friendly party, and especially if you're, like, if you're fighting a lot of combats against multiple enemies, it's just, you know, Still, though, you know, resistance to all damage except psychic. That's just such a clutch ability that you're going yeah. to be hard-pressed to find something as cool as that. But, like, Wolf is still pretty cool. Right. All right, sixth level, uh, we're looking at, basically, for all of these, uh, they're going to be things that are not necessarily uh, combat-based. Uh, so the, the Totem of the Bear, your carrying capacity is doubled, and you have advantage on strength saving throws. Uh, I'll just remind everybody that when you're raging, you already have advantage. Oh, uh, you have advantage on strength checks. Uh, but I could see it being it's one of those things where it's like if you're if you're rigidly paying attention to, ca to carrying capacity in your game, I could see it being handy. But for the most part, I think it's one of those things that it's eh, kind of, you know, not that super impressive. Yeah. All right, um, I'm going to go through these next four, and then we can talk about them all together. Okay. So for the for the eagle, they can see everything up to a mile away. For the elk, 
You get to double the travel speed mounted or not for you and 10 companions. For the tiger, gain proficiency in two skills from athletics, acrobats, stealth, and survival. And for the wolf, track at a fast pace or stealth at a normal pace. What do we think about these different uh, six-level totem skills here? I'm going to ha- actually have to say either eagle or elk are the most impressive ones there. Yeah, I, I, I do like that the tiger gives you proficiency in two skills, and that's not like while you're raging or anything else. It's just like, hey, here's two skills that you get to be proficient in now, which I think is nice. Mm. I think double travel speed, like, again, a lot of this is going to come down to, like, how does your DM like run certain things nice. um you know maybe like travel speed maybe they're like all right roll you know it's a five-day trip to water deep roll 1d20 and let's see if anything attacks you during those five days or maybe they're telling you hey like you're, you're gonna be rolling you know 4d20s a day plus three shifts at night so this five-day trip to water deep like you might have 10 encounters between here and there if you can cut that down to five with that double travel speed, maybe that, you know, is more important. Um, same same with the eagle, can see everything up to a mile away. That's, like, great if you're playing in a campaign where it's very open or something like that. Or if your DM, you know, is is constantly asking for perception checks and stuff like that, this is really beneficial. But if you're doing, like, you know, Dungeon of the Mad Mage and you're just, like, crawling through you know closed caverns and stuff maybe not as beneficial um but i think really eagle elk and tiger i i feel like you there's like benefit for all of those yeah and if you're kind of subbing as the ranger for your party like if you took survival earlier and you're kind of the tracker of the party Maybe the wolf totem makes sense. You know, it really just depends on your party makeup and stuff. But what I like about this subclass is that all none of these five things are like, that's terrible. That's garbage. You're never going to use that. You know, right. Like, like those are all going to probably come up at some point. All right. You ready to move on to our 10th level stuff for the totems? Indeed. All right. So for the bear. Uh, uh, I I think that's 14th level. The 10th level is the commune with nature spell. I think. For the right. Bear, I think. Yep. 10th, sorry, 10th level for the bear. Um, They get spirit walker, which they can cast commune with nature as a ritual. Um, So these are all called spirit walker. Um, Wait a second. What did I do here? Uh oh, that's what they all get. Sorry. And tenth level, they all get cast commune with nature as a ritual. Is this good? Yep. One of those things, you know, it's not necessarily terrible, but you know, not particularly great either. I mean it's uh just a little divination ritual spell you get that can be useful for uh kind of helping you out if you're stuck, you know, trying to figure out where you're going in the campaign. Um especially with exploration and whatnot. So, you know, it could come in handy. 
Again, you know, as we've said, depending on the campaign you're playing in. Yeah. And I mean, it's a 10th level if we're comparing it to the Berserker intimidating presence <laughs> i would still take this absolutely all right 14th level uh we're back to individual different uh totems here so for the bear um while you're raging creatures within five feet of you have disadvantage on attacks that don't include you uh so this kind of plays into more of the tanky side of the barbarian uh what are your thoughts on this one I think, you know, if you're gearing up to be the tank and if you've already taken the um, other bear totem ability of, you know, you have resistance to everything but psychic damage, this is the one to take because, I mean, like, you're going to be drawing all the attacks to you, essentially. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that's pretty much what it's geared to do. And, I mean, that's this is the build to make to do that. Yeah. For sure. I think if you're tank barbarian, you want to go totem of the bear path and possibly just at six level grab one of the other totems if you don't like the double your carrying capacity right. um, benefit. Um, for the eagle, uh, with rage, uh, you're going to gain a flying speed that equals your walking speed, but you must end each turn on the ground. Uh, how good is this uh, in the game? Because I, I think there are some real benefits to it. Um, I think one thing is dealing with flying enemies can be really annoying because uh, as a barbarian, you're not going to have ranged weapons right. or probably won't have ranged weapons. So the fact that you can fly, you're going to have a, a speed of at least 40 feet at this point. Right. Um, if you took elk at first level, then you've got a speed of uh, 55. Of, of 55. So you can fly up into the air, uh, swing your axe two or three times. No, just two. Sorry. We don't have frenzy. And so two is fine. Um, and then you end your turn on the ground. Uh, so you just have to be able to get back down. I, I, I see where this could be like useful or if you're traveling like in a cliffy area or something and there's a lot of like getting up and down cliffs i mean you're already pretty good at strength saves or uh you know strength ability checks but i see some benefit to this right i think it could again you know to reiterate a theme it depends on you know the campaign you're running in as much as anything else and how often you know you're in a environment that would be you know you're going to be encountering a lot of flying opponents and depends on your party because i mean if you've got three or two or three people that can already cast flight or have a means of fly then maybe not so essential you pick that you know if again you know if you're with if you've got like a, a paladin and a fighter and a ranger and you know a bard and no one who has already means of flying then this might be useful to pick up at 14th level right and i mean that is the thing about 14th level is you got to remember that the rest of your party is also getting really cool stuff at this right. point. So it's just a matter of like, is this the point where, you know, you need more cool stuff like a flight ability. Um, so want to talk about the elk here. Um, <clears throat> so the elk has a pretty cool ability here while raging. 
You can use a bonus action during your move to pass through the space of a larger, smaller creature. That creature must succeed on a strength saving throw, DC 8 plus your strength bonus plus your proficiency bonus, or be knocked prone and take bludgeon damage equal to 1d12 plus your strength modifier. Um, how useful is this? It's only the, the nice thing is it's only a bonus action to burn it. So and it's and if you're moving anyway and you're not you don't and it, depending on your build you may not have any real uses for your bonus action. So it's not necessarily taking a lot out of you to give it a whirl. And it's large or smaller, so you could potentially, you know, hit like a creature like an ogre or even, you know, a young dragon with it. And at fourteenth yeah. level you could still potentially be fighting those things. I think the other thing is it's great against a caster because it's a true. strength saving throw. Unlike the intimidating presence, um, it's your strength bonus. Yeah. So you assume that your strength bonus at 14th level is probably four or three. Like if you if you were building a little bit differently. So you're, you're talking about like a not super easy strength saving throw and you get to knock a caster prone. Um, and then they take a d12 plus your strength bludgeoning damage, and that was all your bonus action. I feel like that could be pretty good. Again, depends on the campaign that you're playing. Um, you know, if if you're fighting lots of mind flayers, uh, this is really great. Um, if you're fighting against uh, you know, giant demons or uh, you know gargantuan dragons then this is a pointless totem to take but that's a nice thing you don't have to choose this is what i love about this class you don't have to choose elk at third level and then be stuck in that for the rest of the progression you can be like hey it's 14th level and now we're fighting all these mind flayers or drow priestesses or something maybe i want to be able to knock them prone and damage them like all right, um, a tiger, also pretty good. Uh, while you're raging, you can, if you move 20 feet toward an enemy, you gain a bonus action melee attack against them. Uh, so this is kind of like the old 3.5 charge feat um, where you get an extra attack if you're moving straight towards an enemy. I think it's fine. Uh, it's just that everything else in this category is also really good so So i'm looking at all the different ones and i think i might have to go with bear again for the 14th level totemic attunement yeah oh i don't know they're they're, like they're none of them are bad which i guess is the really nice thing about the uh totem warrior is now none of them like some are more impressive some are definitely more impressive than others but none of them are necessarily bad and it gives itself into really customizing how you want to build it which i think is the great thing about this uh this subclass is you can build it a lot of different ways and could potentially build two totem two totem warriors could potentially be very different from each other which i think is the marking of the making of a really good subclass yeah i think that you could have two totem warrior barbarians and they could be very different playing styles you could have one that's really tanky and one that's much more focused on dealing out damage um so i think there's a lot there speaking of um so that was maybe I, I don't know if Totem Warrior's the best, but I think it's a really good subclass. Mm-hmm. And now we'll go into one that is definitely not the best subclass. 
So this was also in the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide, which which came out pretty early in yeah. fifth edition. So so we'll give the writers a pass here. I'm just going to go through all four of these and then we can just talk about how bad they are. So the Battle Rager uh, is for dwarf only. It's a so it's one of the only subclasses that has a racial like uh, like restriction on it. However, it does say talk to your DM. Maybe there's a reason that you have it also. And then, um, I mean, with Tasha's Cauldron of anything, I guess, you know, whoever you want to be can be a, a battle rager, but nobody would want to be. So um, you are now proficient with spiked armor. And as a bonus action, you deal 1d4 damage uh, to a creature within five feet of you at third level. And if you grapple them, it deals 1d4 damage to them. At sixth level, you get the trait Reckless Abandon. When you use Reckless Attack, you gain temporary hit points equal to your con modifier. So we talked earlier. We're looking at two or three temporary hit points at sixth level. Only when you do Reckless Abandon. At tenth level, you get Charge. You can take Dash as a bonus action while raging. Now, I'm just going to flip back to the eagle. <laughs> or, is it the eagle? Yes. So the eagle, at third level, so seven levels beforehand, all enemies have disadvantage against you on opportunity attacks, and you get dash as a bonus action. This book was written after that book. Yeah. So... Take, a da take dash as a bonus action while raging at 10th level. I don't know. And then at 14th level, spiked armor deals attack, deals an attack and melee creatures. So, so when a male, when a, a creature attacks you and deals melee damage to you, that creature takes three damage. This is at 14th level. Yeah. Is this a joke? Like, is this a joke subclass? I just want to ask you, do you think that it's a joke? Because I I was reading through it, and I was like, where does it get good? Where's, like, the cool thing? I, I can't mean, find it. <laughs> the poor Sword Coast Adventures Guide. I mean, there's there's some really good ideas in there. This ain't one of them. Um, it's kind of... Like, it's one of those books that I feel like kind of got rushed out a lot. And there's a reason why so many like, like Bla like blade singer, I think originally appeared in there. And like a lot of the classes that you see in Tosh was like a lot of those and the spells have been reprinted elsewhere. And they've got significant workups because as they were printed in the sword coast guide, they were kind of broken or they were either too powerful or not powerful enough. And I think that says a lot about the sword coast adventures guide. That even the stuff that was good needed to be worked, reworked a lot. And I don't, and you, surprise, surprise, you know, this class never got a rework because there is, there is no saving this. This, this just, it needs to just go away. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're going to talk about now uh, Xanathar's Guide to Everything. It brings us two more uh, classes. It brings us. The Storm Herald and the Zealot. We'll talk about the Storm Herald first. 
At third level, you gain a storm aura out to 10 feet. Choose desert, sea, or tundra. And each of those is going to give you a minor buff of some kind. Um, at sixth level, you get storm soul, and you're going to get damage resistance uh, to each of the different desert, sea, or tundra. Um, based on like the class that you picked. And then uh, at 10th level, you're going to get Shielding Storm. Other creatures in the aura gain damage resistance of the storm. And then at 14th level, you're going to get Raging Storm. Um, let me talk about some of the different auras that you're going to get. Uh, so for the desert at third level, uh, all other creatures in your aura take two fire damage. This damage increases when you reach certain levels in the class, increasing to three at fifth, four at tenth, five at fifteenth, and six at twentieth. That's okay. Like static yeah. damage, it's fine. Uh, C, when this effect is activated, you can choose one other creature you can see in your aura. The target must make a dexterity saving throw. The target takes 1d6 lightning damage on a failed save or half as much damage on a successful one. The damage increases when you reach certain levels in this class, increasing 2d6, 3d6, 4d6 at 10th, 15th, and 20th level. And then Tundra, uh, when this effect is activated, each creature of your choice in your aura gains two temporary hit points as icy spirits inure it to suffering. Temporary hit points increase to 3, 4, 5, and 6 at 5th, 10th, and 15th, and 20th level. I feel like all of those are fine. Yeah. Like none of those are terrible. I think the desert one is the best because it's just like straight fire damage. No save. No, right. no, no to hit necessary. You just, any, any right. all creatures in that aura take the damage. Right. Um, Although I will say the bad thing is it's all other creatures in the aura, not all enemies, all other creatures. Again, if you're like the tank, I can see this being nice because you're like the only person up in the front line. Right. Uh, the aura only extends 10 feet from you in every direction. So right. it's not like 30 foot aura. Right, right. That would be really bad. So I don't know. The sea aura is probably better here because it deals damage, but it's a dexterity saving throw. A lot of creatures are good at dexterity saving throws. At six level, the desert, uh, you gain resistance to fire damage, and you don't suffer the effects of extreme heat. As an action, you can touch a flammable object that isn't being worn or carried by anyone else and set it on fire. Resistance to fire damage is cool. Mm -hmm. Everything else is for me. Mm -hmm. uh, the sea, you gain resistance to lightning damage, and you can breathe underwater. You also gain a swimming speed of 30 feet. I feel like that's so much better than the desert one. Mm -hmm. Like, am I wrong? <laughs> like, like not especially if you're doing anything remotely uh, aquatic related, right? And I would say, like, water is a huge thing. If you're doing any kind of like pirate campaign or ocean campaign or just anything where you're on the water a lot, like, I feel like the sea path of the Storm Herald is like worth checking out. Mm -hmm. 
And then Tundra, you gain resistance to cold damage, and you don't suffer the effects of extreme cold as described in the Dungeon Master's Guide. Moreover, as an action, you can touch water and turn a five-foot cube of it into ice. This action fails if a creature is in the cube. That last sentence there is like, hey, this might be fun. Uh, nope. We're going <laughs> to... Like, like there's, there's no benefit. Mm-hmm. So at 10th level... um. Each creature of your choice has the damage resistance you gain from store soul, Storm Soul feature while the creatures in your Storm Aura. Guess that's kind of cool, except that we already talked about that your aura is only 10 feet. So it, it gives your, you know, it gives your party members resistance to fire, lightning, or, or cold damage if they're really close to you. It's not the worst 10th level barbarian bonus but it's definitely not the best right raging storm you get a couple more benefits here desert immediately after a creature in your aura hits you with an attack you can use your reaction to force that creature to make a dex saving throw on a failed save the creature takes fire damage equal to half your barbarian level so seven uh, C, when you hit a creature in your aura with an attack, you can use your reaction to force that creature to make a strength saving throw. On a failed save, the creature is knocked prone, as if struck by a wave. Not as good as the elk uh, knocking people prone and dealing a d12 worth of damage as a bonus action. Uh, and then Tundra. Um, maybe it is because you don't have to use any action to do this, but I don't know. Tundra, whenever the effect of your storm aura is activated, you can choose one creature you can see in that aura. That creature must succeed on a strength saving throw or its speed is reduced to zero until the start of your next turn as magical frost covers it. Tell me, Evan, what do you like about the storm herald? What do you not like about the storm herald? I think there are a couple of useful abilities in here. I think overall it's kind of an eh class. Um, I think if you're like playing in either a super themed desert campaign or in a super themed, you know, like aquatic campaign or you know, super themed, you know, like I like, um, you know, tundra campaign. Surprise, surprise. It'd be worth checking out. But like otherwise. Probably there's not a whole lot to draw you in. Like, none of the features really, like, wows me or, like, super impresses me. It's just, like, there are a couple that are useful um, in those specific settings. But overall, kind of a math class. I think in a C set setting, like, if somebody was doing, like, a, like some kind of, like, pirates type thing, I would definitely be, like, yo, be the C Storm Herald. Like... Right. It's thematic, it fits the thing, and by the way, you're going to be able to breathe underwater at, at 6th level. Um, which I think is really good. And you're going to have a swim speed equal to 30. So, right. Or 40. So, I, I think that that's really good. Otherwise, though, I feel like, man, there's just so many other better options. Okay. Anything else before we move on to our next one? I don't believe so. All right. So next we're going to talk about the Zealot. Um, And I think we're pretty positive. I'm pretty positive on the rest of the classes that we're going to talk about. I feel like those last two, Storm Herald, especially the Battle Rager, are both just 
terrible. Yeah. Um, but everything else, I feel like there's there's something there. So yeah. <clears throat> the zealot uh, at third level, they get divine fury. The first hit on each turn deals an extra 1d6 necrotic or radiant damage. And warrior of the gods, no components needed to bring you back to life. I feel like that's really good. Mm-hmm. Like both good bonus yeah. damage. Couple different options, necrotic or radiant. And that's your first hit on each turn. So like yeah. that's, you know, let's say your combat's going five turns. It's your first hit. It's not your first attack. Like, oh, my first attack didn't hit. It's your first hit on each turn. So you're talking about probably dealing out 5d6 necrotic or radiant damage every combat you know right i think it's i think it's pretty good six level fanatical focus uh you can re-roll one failed saving throw per rage i think that's not flashy but i think it's beneficial um and again that's you already know that you failed that saving throw so it's not like, oh, choose if you want to re-roll before you find out if you passed or failed. It's like, oh, I failed. I'm going to re-roll it, which is good. Mm-hmm. At 10th level, they get Zealous Presence. Uh, 10 creatures and 60 feet of you gain advantage on attack rolls until the start of your next turn. I think that that is... We're, we're getting into bear tor- territory here oh, yeah. with, with what you're handing out uh, with yeah. this class, I feel like. <clears throat> Absolutely. And then 14th level, maybe the best 14th level uh, out of any of the subclasses uh, for for the Barbarian, at least. Rage Beyond Death. You don't die when you hit zero hit points. You only die when the rage ends, and only if you still have zero hit points at that point. By the way, at uh I believe what do we say is it fifteenth level? Um you have persistent range. It only right. ends if you end it or fall unconscious. Well the zealot at fifteenth level means that you basically don't die. <laughs> like you might have taken so much damage, like you, you might be at like negative two hundred hit points, but like <laughs> Do you die? No. <laughs> like, not until the rage ends and you can just keep raging forever until yeah. you heal that much. You you become that mean that what is it like man literally too angry to die? Right. Exactly. <laughs> just gotta keep that rage going until the uh <laughs> you have to rage through the long rest <laughs> so that the cleric can get their spells back and heal you the next day. Um so what do you think about the Zealot? Uh, I think the Zealot is an extremely good uh, option. It's, you know, designed to do a lot of different things. Um, I think the uh, Warrior of the Gods is one ability that tends to get overlooked, but just being able to be raised from the dead and not have it cost anything is really nice. You know, just a, a little thing that, you know, says that, hey, you know, even if I die, you know, it's I can get raised from the dead for cheap. Um it's, you know, just a bunch of, like, really cool abilities. The Zealous Presence is just such a really awesome feature. And, again, like, Rage Beyond Death. It's just such a cool name, too, Rage Beyond Death. That is um, a really cool name. 
that's you know so it's just a really really solid option um i think totem warrior might still be better but i mean this is definitely up there on the barbarian barbarian on the barbarian subclasses i i think for like role play reasons or whatever else i think that if you're like some kind of like divine barbarian type person like or depending on your campaign or your backstory or whatever the zealot is a perfectly capable subclass like you know like if you know it it might not be like a bear totem you know like op class but i think that if if you wanted to be effective in combat or effective in the game, but also you had like, you didn't want to be as like shaman type focused in your barbarianism, that the zealot is, is a great path to go down. Um, All right. One last one from Xanathar's guide to everything is the ancestral guardians. Um, and there's some good stuff in here. So at third level, you get ancestral protectors. Uh, so basically, this is all about like your ancestors coming to like protect you roleplay wise. Um, the first hit enemy on your turn has disadvantage on attacks except against you until the start of your next turn. So whoever you hit, they need to hit you or they're going to have disadvantage. Again, that kind of plays into like some of the tanky stuff. Uh, Spirit Shield. Reduce the damage of a creature within 30 feet of you by 2d6. So when, when another creature uh, takes damage within 30 feet of you, you can reduce that damage by 2d6. Um, I think that that's like pretty great. And again, if we're talking about being a tank as opposed to dealing out as much damage as possible, I feel like this one gives you some of that. Uh, your your spirit shield goes up to 3d6 and then you you can consult with the spirits and cast augury or clairvoyance spell once per long rest i don't know how much you're gonna do that but maybe for role playing and stuff you are um yeah. i think that <laughs> evan's like no not even for role playing yeah. <laughs> it's not gonna do it <laughs> But then where it really kicks in is 14th level. Your spirit shield goes to 46. So you're, you're reducing the damage that an ally takes by 46. And uh, the spirit shield, you now have vengeful ancestors. And the spirit shield does damage to the attacker equal to the damage prevented. So that's, I, I think, pretty good. Uh, what are your thoughts on this primal path? I think it probably stacks up as lesser than the either the zealot or the uh totem but still i mean it's not awful i mean it's definitely better than uh the berserker or the i don't even remember what it was from the uh the uh battle rager it's, from skag yeah the battle rager yeah but yeah, um, I... it's you know it's not it's not like I said, it's not terrible. So I mean, it's and there's some useful little abilities there. Um, I think there are better options, but there are worse options too. Yeah, I think this is kind of right in the middle of the pack. Yeah. I, I feel like it's like, you know what? Like if if somebody wants to be all about their ancestors and stuff, like this is cool. I think that if you were playing in like Theros or um, Odyssey of the Dragon Lords, this is kind of cool. Like, you know, there's some 
there's some cool like tie-ins there maybe <clears throat> but but i think if you're just going through like pure combat like what do you want to do uh, i think that one of the other two is is going to be stronger right um all right uh we're going to jump to tasha's cauldron of everything which gives us two more classes uh first we're going to talk about path of the beast um so at third level you gain form of the beast you gain a bite clause or tail attack when you rage um they're all like pretty okay um and they get better with you as you go um at sixth level uh your form of the beast attacks uh count as magical attacks uh and so that improves kind of all of them i feel like and then you also gain bestial soul you gain uh bonuses to either climbing jumping or swimming uh each long rest so you can pick a different one each long rest which i think it again the more options that you have the better i think the subclass is right um at 10th level, you get Infectious Fury. Uh, bonus damage on or creature attacks its own when hitting with natural weapons. So um, this is where the class, I think, really like starts to like take off in some cool ways because your fear of the beast or form of the beast is already giving you some like pretty awesome like natural attacks. And then you're getting like even more stuff here. So what's what's cool about this infectious fury is I'm just going to read some of it here. Uh, when you hit a creature with your natural weapons while you're raging, the beast within you can curse your target with rabid fury. The target must succeed on a wisdom saving throw DC equal to eight plus your con modifier plus your prof bonus or suffer one of the following effects. The target must use its reaction to make a melee attack against another creature of your choice that you can see, or the target takes 2d12 psychic damage. You can use this feature and over times equal to your proficiency bonus, gain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. I feel like that's uh I feel like that's pretty powerful. Um you're hitting them with an attack and then they're either taking an extra 2d12 psychic damage or um, you're probably even more powerful, especially at higher levels, is the target has to use its reaction to make a melee attack against another creature of your choice. So what do you think? Is this good? I mean, it's very good. And then lastly, at 14th level, they get Call of the Hunt. <clears throat> When you enter your rage, you can choose a number of other willing creatures you can see within 30 feet of you <clears throat> equal to your constitution modifier. You gain five temporary hit points for each creature that accepts this feature. Till the rage ends, the chosen creatures can each use the following benefit once on each of their turns. When the creature hits a target with an attack roll and deals damage to it, the creature can roll a d6 and gain bonus to the damage equal to the number rolled. Um, I feel like this is pretty powerful because you're getting like if you're in a party of like five, four because it's up to your con modifier. Like if you've boosted your con, 
which I think that if you're going down the path of the beast, you probably should. Because Infectious Fury is based on your con, and this is benefiting from your con. You're talking about gaining, like, 20 temporary hit points, and then all of those creatures gain a d6 to any damage that they deal. Uh, That's, I feel like that's pretty powerful. Yep. Like, I think this one is in there again, kind of a middle of the pack. Uh, But what do you think about the Path of the Beast? An upper middle. Like, I think it stacks up uh, better than the one we just talked about. Better than the Ancestral Guardian, but still lesser than the uh, Totem Warrior and the Zealot, probably. But better than, better than, you know, the Berserker and the um, the Storm Herald. Certainly better than the uh, Battle Rager and the, um, I think it's just the Berserker. But, you know, yeah. But, but it's, you know, it's, it's a solid, uh, a very solid choice. And, you know, there's some cool abilities there. All right. So now we get to talk about not the best barbarian class, but definitely one of my favorite barbarian subclasses, the Path of Wild Magic. <clears throat> so, um, the first thing that you get is magic awareness. Um, as an action, you can open your awareness to the presence of concentrated magic. Till the end of your next turn, you know the location of any spell or magic item within 60 feet of you that isn't behind total cover. <clears throat> when you sense a spell, you learn which school of magic it belongs to. You can use this feature a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus. This doesn't quite detect magic with spell, but it's as an action and you're getting it like you know up to your proficiency bonus you know a couple times a day at this level i feel like this is something that can be useful from third all the way to 20th what do you think yeah um just you know ability to have a barbarian that can use this ability is redundant but it's super useful um and again you know you can burn it as an action without having you know having the party mage having to burn a spell slot possibly or even use a cantrip um, and also, it stacks up well with the other abilities, I think, that they get at later, at later levels. Also, it does let you, um, you could identify, like, an item as magic. Yeah. Like, if you find an item, let's say you don't have, like, an arcane caster with you or, or something like that, you could, you could, you know, theoretically figure out if it's a magic item. You can't right. identify it, but you could at least know, hey, this is a magic sword. <clears throat> All right. Also at third level, you get Wild Surge. When you enter a rage, roll on the Wild Magic table to determine the magical effect produced. And these magical effects are pretty crazy. <clears throat> so, here you go. Um, should I read all of these? I feel like I gotta read at least at least a little bit of each of these, right? Yep. All right. <clears throat> So if you roll a one, shadowy tendrils lash around you. Each creature of your choice that can see within 30 feet of you must succeed on a constitution saving throw or take 1d12 necrotic damage. You also gain 1d12 temporary hit points. On a two, you teleport up to 30 feet to an unoccupied space you can see. Till your rage ends, you can use this effect again on each of your turns as a bonus action. So forget moving, now you're just straight up teleporting. Three, an intangible 
an intangible spirit which looks like a flump or a pixie appears within five feet of one creature of your choice that you can see within 30 feet of you. The end of the current turn, the spirit explodes, and each creature within five feet of it must succeed on a dex saving throw or take 1d6 force damage. Till your rage ends, you can use this effect again, summoning another spirit on each of your turns as a bonus action. <clears throat> Four, magic infuses one weapon of your choice that you are holding. Till your rage ends, the weapon's damage type changes to force and it gains the light and throne properties with a normal range of 20 feet and a long range of 60 feet. The weapon leaves your hand, the weapon reappears in your hand at the end of the current turn. You basically just got Thor's hammer. <laughs> Yeah, Five. exactly. Whenever a creature hits you with an attack roll before your rage ends, that creature takes 1d6 force damage as magic lashes out in retribution. Six, until your rage ends, you are surrounded by multicolored protective lights. You gain a plus one bonus to AC, and while within 10 feet of you, your allies gain the same bonus. Seven, flowers and mines temporarily grow around you. Until your rage ends, the ground within 15 feet of you is difficult terrain for your enemies. Man, they really got writing this stuff right. It's not just difficult terrain. It's difficult terrain for your enemies, which is yep. just awesome. <laughs> and then eight, a bolt of light shoots from your chest. Another creature of your choice that can see within 30 feet of you must succeed on a con saving throw or take 1d6 radiant damage and be blinded until the start of your next turn until your rage ends you can use this effect again on each of your turns as a bonus action wow. like i said i i don't think this is the best class but i love this class i love being like <clears throat> i'm a barbarian i've got some magic in me don't know how to control it but when i rage that magic just out at people <laughs> as an action you can touch one creature which can be yourself and confer one of the following benefits of your choice for 10 minutes the creature can roll a d3 whenever making an attack roll or an ability check and the number rolled and add the number rolled to the d20 roll or roll a d3 the creature regains one expended spell slot the level of which equals the number rolled or lower once a creature receives this benefit, that creature can't receive it again until another long rest. I feel like that's like super beneficial to be able to give spells back to to other people. At 10th level, they get unstable backlash. When you are imperiled during your rage, the magic within you can lash out. Immediately after you take damage or fail a saving throw while raging, you can use your reaction to roll on the wild magic table and immediately produce the effect rolled. This effect replaces your current wild magic effect and then at 14th level i feel like it's just amazing whenever you roll on the wild magic table you can roll the dice twice and choose which of the two numbers to unleash if you roll the same number on both dice you ignore the number and choose any effect on the table kind of like what's your uh like do you have a favorite um wild magic magical effect wild magic magical effect uh Looking down through them, um, I honestly think that the magical effect number eight being struck by the uh, bolt of the Constitution saving throw for the radiant damage and being blinded might be the best one to get. It's just because you can do that one again on each of your turns as a bonus action. I think that's really clutch. It's yeah. like the damage is kind of eh, but the blinded effect is so useful. Yeah. B blinding other creatures is just like, that's super powerful. 
I like the teleport one. I think that one's like super fun. Again, this is like a fun class. If you're playing like a silly campaign, if you're playing something like um like Acquisitions Incorporated or or if you just have like a more fun loving play group, I think this is like this would be my first choice. Like if somebody was like, "Hey, I'm running like a a fun like like light and airy game or if somebody was doing wild beyond the witch light which just came out a couple months ago i feel like man this would be the barbarian that i want yeah um here's what i love there's nothing bad in this class there's nothing that's like oh that isn't good like the bolstering magic giving people like an extra d3 for 10 minutes uh to all of their attack rolls and ability checks or giving a, a spellcaster like a spell slot back. I just think, man, this is this is really good. It it it's not as good as the bear totem. It's not as good as the zealot, maybe for combat, but for like role playing and for fun, I think I think this one takes the cake for me. I can see that definitely. Um... Because there's just a lot of really, like you said, like a lot of really cool, fun effects there. So, we started this episode asking, Mm -hmm. you know, what are we going to find here for the Barbarian? So, um, when you think about the Barbarian, uh, what would you say, what's like the combat role of your general Barbarian, maybe of most Barbarians? I think we kind of we talked about a little bit before your general role of the barbarian is you know you're talking about a tank someone who is there to take hits for the party um and to a lesser extent to you know to deal a lot of damage but mostly there to take hits you know the d12 hit die um the rage that lets them get resistance you know bludgeoning piercing and slashing and you know especially if you get the bear totem you know to every everything but psychic damage you know, to, to absorb damage. That's kind of what you're there to do. And um, and the extra movement and uh, being able to get around the battlefield, all those things help. I think your big thing is there to kind of be the, is to be that meat shield. I think that's kind of your big thing. Is that's, you know, it's it's a role that, you know, it tends to be um, looked down upon, I think, a lot, you know, but it's such a critical role. Cause, I mean, you know, that's, if the wizard is taking hits or the rogue is taking hits, things are not going great in the party. And so like, you can't really do much unless the tank is doing his job. And so, I mean, it's, and there are a few classes that are as good at it as the barbarian. And so, I mean, if you want to be a tank, I mean, that's, that is the class to go with. And it doesn't like shy away from damage. You're still going to be doing damage. You're, You're not dealing rogue level damage, you know, at 15th level with all their sneak attack stuff. You're probably not putting out as much damage damage as a wizard or sorcerer at high levels, but certainly at first level, you're comparable to everybody else. And I think that there's the barbarian excels at combat. Um, And for role playing, I think that the barbarian's a little bit harder to role play than than maybe some of the other classes. Um, just because their base class doesn't give them a whole ton of like, this is 
this is what you're doing outside of combat. You know, when you're not raging, right? This is what you do. <laughs> so, where are some areas where you feel like a barbarian can kind of expand on their on how they role play their character? I mean, I think when kind of the issue is when people think of barbarians, they tend to think of you know uh, the stereotypical Conan, which is you know they're you know gets angry easily, you know, speaks in monosyllabic, monosyllabic phrases, um, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, loincloth, um, giant sword. But I mean, there's, you know, my, my whole thing is, you know, go to, go to fiction. And I mean, even if you want to go to Conan the Barbarian, you know, go to some of the other Conan stories where, you know, yeah, Conan was a barbarian, but I mean, he was extremely intelligent. You know, he could be tactical, you know, he wouldn't, he wasn't, you know, always, you know, in a loincloth, you know, he could, that you could think and you know you could plan and make alliances and you know was um i don't want to go into a whole tangent here but i mean there's there's different aspects you can go with the character you know and uh there's different ways it's all about how you want to play it. you know you can play a barbarian as and you can play it as you know this huge hulking behemoth and you can play it you know as a fish out of water you know that he's you're traveling around with a group of people or you know you can play it as I mean, and that's the thing is, you know, there's a lot of nuance, but you don't don't just have to be one thing, I think. Um, but I think, you know, the, kind of my whole thing is uh, whenever uh, people want, or I guess my whole thing is when people are trying to think of, you know, well, well how, how should I play this is I do try to try and go to fiction and try and think of like fictional barbarians to show them examples of. And so, you know, um, I think it's useful to try and do that. So, you know, I, I would try and pick out fictional barbarians. Yeah, I think one of the other things that I would say is like, you know, what's great about 5e is you pick a race, you pick a class, you pick right. a background, then you get the subclass. I think that, you know, with all of those things, you can kind of create who your barbarian is. And so, right. you know, maybe you take a subclass that isn't super normal for a barbarian. You know, maybe you take something like criminal. Um, you know, and gain right. some different skills there. Maybe you, um, you know, for for your race, maybe you, you know, are maybe you are like an elf, and it's like, well, wait, why? Why did this elf become a become right. a barbarian? Like, you know, or like, you know, maybe they're kind of like an outcast of their group because they're not this like prim and proper, uh, you know, haughty, intelligent creature. Um, so I think there's some there's some stuff there that you can kind of pull in. And I think even the subclasses give you some like ideas. Like if you're a totem barbarian, maybe you're more of like a shaman type person, you know, like, and you can kind of weave that into your, into your interactions outside of combat. Um, you know, when I think about the zealot, I think a lot about like, um, like some of the different, like, uh, crusade type movies um you know it makes me think of like maybe like a little john type character a little bit um from robin hood you know there's some there's a lot of different things out there that you can kind of like find your way into um path of the beast obviously you know if you're like some kind of like werewolf or were creature type thing you can definitely play up on that like um i think the ancestral guardian like gives you some different like 
gives you more like to deal with you know you can kind of flesh out your history and stuff so i think when you're role playing you need to look at all the aspects of your character um besides just i get angry hulk smash right um but also if you're playing like a more like lighthearted game there's nothing wrong with being like i yeah. i am Groot hulk smash <laughs> like type character and, and then that's the thing too is i mean it's all about finding you know what works for your game and the importance of talking to the dm and with the other players and you know finding you know the the, the niche that you want to fill in the character that you want to play yeah and and i think that you know there's there's lots of fun things that you can do when you're thinking about it like if you don't have somebody with a good wisdom score or somebody like like a ranger or somebody like that in your party or a cleric then maybe you do take like the survival skill maybe you pick up some more of that like oh like i'm a tracker type person um you know it's really just all about like you know who are you for your party for your campaign for the game and really just fleshing that out um so here's a question that i had uh where where do you feel like the barbarian like really shines uh like you know what 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 levels are they like are you just like man this is fun to be a barbarian or the barbarian and then <clears throat> you know we already talked about like a lot of the other stuff but like do you feel like there's kind of a sweet spot for the barbarian when it comes to like you know what tier of play they're playing in Speaking again, I haven't played, I don't have a whole lot of experience playing as a Barbarian, but just from the limited experience I do have, I feel like they're a class that tends to shine. It, I mean, I think they do fairly well overall throughout. They tend to shine maybe a little bit brighter a little bit earlier on, um, like especially around like Tier 2 or so. Um, but again, you know, like I don't think they're, they necessarily, you know, start to pale at any point but i think they you know especially maybe a little bit earlier on when because of again you know they can just having that uh the ability to take so many hits especially you know when a normal like uh when you're talking third and fourth level when most classes are down after charitably you know two or three hits the barbarian especially if they're raging can go on you know for a lot longer i think that that is a lot more apparent in those earlier levels yeah for sure and i think that's a credit to the to the guys who wrote fifth edition because i think that in previous editions you'd be like oh the barbarian's great like levels one through six and then you better find a a, yeah. a multi-class that you need to go into but uh i think that you know going straight barbarian for 15 or 20 levels like you're gonna be effective especially with their <clears throat> with you know their 14th level subclass stuff and then their 15th level um persistent rage it's like man you're you're pretty awesome through 15th level and, and you're not going to be bad after that um even if you're not getting like super cool stuff after 15th level um so so that is the barbarian anything you wanted to like add before we wrap up the barbarian talk here I don't think so. I just say I think it's a cool class, and um, you know, it's as you mentioned. I think if if you haven't played D and D before, and you know, you're 
um, looking for a class that isn't a whole lot of work and something that might be fun, I think Barbarian is a very good first choice. Yep. I think it's a great first class to, to get into things. Um, it's been a pretty light uh, news week, news two weeks here. We've got Thanksgiving coming. Uh, D&D is just really pumping out all of their, like, you know, marketing and stuff. Uh, be on the lookout. Uh, D&D Beyond is having a Cyber Week sale uh, that starts Cyber Monday and goes on. So if you're looking to pick up digital books, those are going to be on sale. I'm sure that there are other sales going on. Now is a great time of year to to pick up D&D books. Um, we'll be back. Uh, the next time that we record, Strixhaven will just come out so we'll be talking about the bard uh then and then the the next the next episode we'll talk about strict saving we're going to give ourselves a little bit of time to to read through the book flip through it check it out um or at least i will maybe evan's not going to get strict saving we don't know i think i'll probably at least check it out yeah we'll definitely check it out um so for myself, for Evan, for everybody here at Monster Soundwave, and it's just the two of us right now, uh, we hope that you have a great week, that you enjoy your Dungeons & Dragons games, and we'll be back with more news and discussion about the Bard next time.